Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This sermon from Sunday, October 16th, takes a look at the story of the Israelites when manna fell from heaven and water came from a rock. What is it that keeps us always wanting more and never being content? We've been going through a series into the wild uh, for a while now, and uh, we've been talking about different things. Uh, I unfortunately haven't been able to catch up on the last three weeks. Two weeks I was gone on vacation, and then last week I had uh, left the service to go downstairs to children's ministry. I try to get down there once in a while during worship to see how Sunday school is going and the youth connect. Um, I wasn't going out just to watch the Packers game because they're playing in London that day. I just want to make that clear. That's not what I was doing. Um, But I I did see, so Pastor Don uh, got a break uh, after a a long month and a half of just learning and and absorbing things. Uh, So he's out, uh, I think, in Washington doing a wedding for a family member. Uh, So I did see him preach when he said, I hope Jordan isn't watching. I was watching. <laughs> so, Don, if you're watching today, I hope you're not watching either. <laughs> and hello, Don's dad. So, uh, Into the Wild, we are, today we're going to talk about what the scripture was read, and thank you to EJ for reading that for us and leading us in prayer. Uh, but before I get to that, we're going to talk a little bit, this is going to be called See the Trees. Now, I'm not going to explain exactly what that means yet. It'll all come together at the end, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk first about uh, Helos and Matheson. I don't know if any of you know this company or what they are about. And uh, at one point, uh, I started playing with, it's called Robin Hood. It's an app on your phone to buy stocks and things like that. And, and just with play money, right? It's 25 bucks you put in there and you buy some cheap stocks and everything. And I bought this stock, okay? I bought this stock, and the reason why is because they had owned MoviePass, all right? <laughs> and I was a subscriber to MoviePass even before they, before they were bought by them, which it was like 30 bucks a month, and you could see as many movies as you want in a month at the theater. Uh, and then all of a sudden when they bought them, they dropped it to $10 a month, which was terrible business plan. Uh, and so I bought a bunch of the stock because it was cheap, and I was like, I believe in MoviePass. I've had it for a while. I want this to succeed, right? And then I started reading stuff up, and the inner turmoil and the loss of profit and things just not going well. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going gonna to put blinders on and earmuffs on. I'm going to keep buying more. (laughs) Because I just wanted more because I thought, you know, if I bought a lot and it takes off, ooh, I'm going to be rich, right? And that's not exactly how it went. (laughs) So my ambition to get rich quick did not work. I ignored all the signs. I ignored uh, the experts on it. And I did end up selling it at a loss, uh, got what I could, and then they went out of business. MoviePass is back, though, by the way. Somebody else bought it. Uh, it's, it's a weird format. Eh, you don't need to hear that. So, uh, 
So I wasn't paying attention to that because I just wanted, I wanted more, right? I wanted more in case it could become more. I was not content with, with getting rid of it and finding something else. Likewise, I was thinking uh, last week or the week before, my wife Michelle had started her own practice, counseling practice, and I helped her, of course, with that and setting things up and, and getting everything ready. And uh, the day, the first day she met with clients and her business officially started, uh, I was so focused on what are the other things we have to do, what more do we need to do, that I kind of forgot to celebrate it with her that day, right? I forgot to get flowers, which I know she was expecting. So that was, but she's very gracious. She was like, you can get flowers at the end of the week and say congrats on the full week of a new business. She knows me well, so that, that worked out very well for me. Uh, and so I was just worried about what more can we do? What more do we have to do that I wasn't paying attention to what was happening then and there? I think the story of the Israelites today is kind of just like this. The story of manna falling from the sky, quail falling from the sky. And for my friends who, who think more concretely, it may be difficult to think about this as this miracle, right? That how did food drop from the sky? Uh, well, a couple of things. One is quail often migrate across the Red Sea uh, for long stretches of time, and some quail would faint. They, it'd be too long of a trip and they faint. So the idea is that these quails fainted and fell into the camp of the Israelites. <sighs> Manna, we don't really know. They think it's maybe kind of um, this honeydew that was produced by insects early in the morning, but it kind of still sits in that supernatural realm. They don't really know. Uh, but these are the kind of the things that God provided for the people at the time. And for those of you that are perfectly okay believing the uh, miracle and thinking of it as a miracle, go for it. I just want to help out our friends who think a little more concretely. But the people, with all this stuff that God had provided them, they had been, you heard it in the scripture, they've been complaining, they said, man, why are we out here? It was better when we were even slaves in Egypt. We we're close to meat and food. What are we doing? And they do this time and time again. Because uh, they're, and when you saw the manna fall in the scripture, their anxiety and greed manifested even in the response to God providing something for them. Now, that Some people hoarded it, right? They took more than what they needed, even though God said, only take what you need. Then, uh, it wasn't in our scripture, but like one chapter, the next chapter later, is um, they're with Moses and they're thirsty. They're complaining once again. This is not too long after the food debacle, uh, and now it's water. And so, um, this is the quail and the, the manna. Uh, and so then Moses asks God to do something else again, and he hits a rock with his staff and water comes out. They still haven't learned. There's still this feeling of like, we aren't content what God is giving us. We want more. And so this is the attitude that the Israelites have. Their sin, they're not trusting that their obedience and satisfaction with God alone is enough, but it's a constant repetition, and it keeps ripening them for judgment because they're supposed to be the people of God to believe and trust in God, and they're being... God's helping to transform them. They're being discipled, but yet they just don't want to because they want to feel comfortable. 
And I think this is kind of uh, an attitude maybe all of us can relate with. I you know, told my own stories about how I wanted more and forgot what was going on in front of me. But I think in our world, our culture, our society, it's all about wanting more, right? Uh, our work, we have to work harder, we have to do more, we have to produce more. That's not good enough, we have to have more. Uh, right now, when, it, when the pocketbook is getting smaller and smaller because of inflation, uh, we always feel like, how, do, how can I get more? How can I have more so I'm more comfortable? And I think transaction is also the name of the game, that we expect to receive something in return when we give something. So the Israelites were sitting there and thinking, we left Egypt, God freed us, and we're putting up with this wilderness journey. God should actually do something for us. And I think in our world, uh, that transaction idea is very much alive, right? This is just what the world we swim in, that uh, if you pay for a service, you expect that service in return. If you pay for a product, you expect that product to be good that you buy. And I think the church has adapted to that. The church has adapted to a lot of things throughout time. And one of the things it's adapted to is this kind of culture of transaction. So we go to churches, we church shop, and we're like, I want this church to provide something for me. I'm looking at what is this consumer item this church is providing for me. Church has also declared itself in a way sometimes as transactional. If you join our community, if you become a believer in Jesus, then you get a get-out-of-hell-free card. Right? That's kind of the transaction language that we have. And it's all about transformation, actually. It's about being transformed by God rather than treating God like Santa Claus, right? If I'm good, if I just do this, God's going to get me this, that I'm going to do well in my job, that I'm going to retire young, I'm going to do all these things because I did right by God. But that isn't always how it goes. The Israelites kept interpreting their relationship with God as transactional. We did this, why aren't you doing this then? But God's guidelines and laws were transforming their hearts and practices. And it's a slow churn of transformation. As we all know, they were in the desert for a long, long time. Sometimes transformation doesn't always involve transactions. Sometimes transformation is also slower than transaction, right? Transaction is pretty quick. Transformation is a lot slower, so we have impatience with it. And we're an instant society now that we could get anything by clicking a button on our remote or on our phone or anything like that. That now we get so frustrated if something takes a little bit of time. This includes me. I'm the worst about this, right? Sometimes, uh, instead of, I like to buy physical movies sometimes for ones I really like, but sometimes they release the digital copies earlier. And so I'm always like, mm, do I buy the digital copy and then buy the physical? Because I can't wait, right? Because it's available now. That's the instant society we live in. We're also shaped by social media and tech. We need things instantly. People are constantly discontent with their lives, seeing what others have online, on social media, seeing what a great life they're living, and being told who to blame for their situations, and on and on and on. So I think there's some things to look at with this. Uh, first is 
uh, I think oftentimes we do this mirror method where we are looking in the mirror and we only see ourselves in the world's kingdoms. We just see us, how we fit into the world, and how the world interacts with us and what we get from the world. Sky Jatani, Jatani uh, said, we simply don't slow down to examine our cultural values and habits and ask whether they are reinforcing the divisions of our society or healing them because we're constantly looking at what we're going to get out of it. That we're not slowing down. We're not seeing where the kingdom of God is happening right in front of us. But instead, we're seeing all of the bad things. We're seeing the things that uh, we want more. We, this isn't enough. And then, this is how we should look through it. It's more of a window. We see Christ and his kingdom, that we are the people of God to see the world as God wants it to be, that the kingdom of God is coming to earth now. We are part of the redemption of all things through Christ. So when we start looking through that window, looking at the world through that lens, it looks a little bit different, and it changes our habits. Sky also gave this kind of, um, this idea of our brains, and I think this comes from science, but you know I'm bad at science. So uh, our brains, system one, is just chill, and he equates this to church, that we all want to come to church to just chill. We want to be comforted. We had a bad week. We want to be renewed. We want to feel good about the week ahead. And so this is our mindset, and it's kind of that slope downward with the bike going down. We just, everything feels good. It's comfortable. But the problem with that is, says any church designed intentionally or not to reinforce the divisions of society rather than heal them has betrayed the call of Christ, much like Judas. That when we are just caring about ourselves and what we are getting, rather than what are the things we can do, we have betrayed the call of Christ. Then, he says, this is actually a mindset we should have in church and as the people of God. A challenge, that we are challenged by the gospel, we are challenged by scripture. That it's kind of a, a little bit of an uphill climb and that's okay. It works out your brain, it works, it stretches you in different ways that you didn't think was possible. If you hear something in church that you're like, I don't agree with that, I don't like that, lean into it. It's okay if you disagree. Challenge helps our brains. There was this, um, he, he, in his book, Sky gave an example, illustration of uh, pilots and how nowadays a lot of the flying um, system is autopilot, right? And so when it's on autopilot a lot, pilots start to lose some of their challenges. And so when things do come up, they're not as prepared to take it on because they're so used to just comfort. Now, when we, uh, when we cannot live on bread alone, if we just think about food like the Israelites, they're all they were thinking about food, but they weren't thinking about the spiritual food that they needed to continue to grow. But if we just focus on bread alone, it only produces this need for more. I just need more money. I just need a little bit more money, then this will be good. I'll be fine. I need some more food to feel satisfied. I just need my kids to do a little bit better on their grades so they can maybe get a scholarship. We always want more. 
This next part is, it's kind of long, but it preaches by itself. And it says, when we live by bread alone, there's never enough bread, not enough even when we make so much of it that some of it rots away. When we live by bread alone, every bite we take leaves a bitter aftertaste, and the more we eat, the more bitter the taste. When we live by bread alone, we always want more and better bread, as if the bitterness came from the bread itself and not from our living by bread alone. I could continue with the analogy, but get my point, living by mundane realities and for them alone we remain restless. And that restlessness in turn contributes to competitiveness, social injustice and the destruction of the environment as well as constitutes a major obstacle to more just, generous, and caring personal practices and social arrangements. Miroslav Volf said that. And I think it's true. I think as when we just feel this need of more and more and more, we're never going to be satisfied. If we're, only, if we're only in this world for this world, then we're never going to be satisfied. If we're in this world and looking at the kingdom of God and bringing it to earth now, that's a larger picture that feeds us differently. Because it's about partnering with a God that's bigger than us, a God that has created all this universe out of love. And we get to be a part of that. So what happens when we as Christians maybe practice more being content, being okay with just enough? We talk about uh, Board of Stewards kicking off their pledge campaign. Stewardship is a big piece of uh, having enough because sometimes we don't give enough because we feel like we don't have enough. Sometimes we don't want to give time because we don't have enough. We just need more in order to do those things. But God is telling us through this story and many stories throughout the Bible, just take what you need. There's other scripture stories about this. Of uh, Jesus talked about the workers in the vineyard, uh, the parable of talents, the parable of the speck and the log in your eye, that, that we're always thinking there's more, and we get jealous of other people, make just the same as us, but we feel like we did more. But Jesus and God are trying to tell us, chill out. It's enough. So how can we begin to cultivate a... Uh, practice of peace and contentment in our world, I think you lean into those uncomfortable feelings because when we just get comfortable, uh, we don't challenge ourselves. It doesn't stretch our minds. It doesn't, it doesn't challenge our beliefs in any way. But to lean into the uncomfortableness helps us to learn more. I think that's a big part of what uh, our work is as a church in the next year. Uh, The work that Don does, Don may make you feel uncomfortable, and that's his job. We have to move us out of our comfort zones in order to see what is God calling us to. How are we being obedient to God? How are we not being obedient to God? And then also slow down. Slow down enough to see these things because we're such a fast-paced society. One of the things I really hoped for that would come out of the pandemic was that we would learn to slow down more. Because during that time when everything slowed down, we got antsy at first, but then we started realizing, oh, this is actually good. Spending more time with my family, spending more time with my kids, spending more time on things that I want to do, things that fulfill me. But yet, as everything just opened back up, we we just pedaled faster. We're just pedaling faster and faster. You could see it in everybody. We're just tired. We're exhausted. But we got to keep going. It's not enough. We got to keep going. Slow down. 
And then practice obedience and grace for yourself, for others, and to accept that that's what God gives us also. If we aren't obedient, he has grace for us. If we practice obedience to God, it's a long road, just like transformation. It doesn't happen instantly, but it's, it's a slow process that even in times where it feels like everybody's against you, that you, don't, you feel like the tide is turning a different way, to stay obedient to the pursuit of God and the kingdom of God is the best thing in the long run. We could, we could trade things in for instant gratification. We could trade things in. We could compromise who we are to have more people in the pews. But do we want to do that? Is that what God is calling us to do? Or is God calling us to be obedient, consistent, and faithful to what God is calling our community, our church, to do? I think through Jesus' death and resurrection, the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, the divisions of the world are transcended and previously separate people are now woven together into a new household of faith. This is a different place. This is a different view of the world that all people belong and we fight for all people to belong because we know that's at the heart of God. And I think for us, the church, you, us, I, We're supposed to preview the new world God is creating and reflect it to others, not preserve the one that is passing away. And this is a hard one. I think this is a hard one for a lot of us. And we could talk about this in many different ways, different examples. But I think mostly, uh, I think the broad example is just letting go of the things that this world deems important. That it is important, it is, I'm not trying to say that nothing's important in life, nothing's important in the world, but to hold those with looser hands because there's a new world coming and we're a part of that. And the only way that we could be a part of that is we do not cling to the things of the old world. I think one of the better ways to kind of sum up this, this sermon and the themes and the topic is a clip from a movie called The Great Outdoors. And uh, Roman and Chet are talking about, uh, they're sitting in front of a lake and they're talking about the beauty of it and why it's important. And Chet's talking about, about why it's important to him. I have great memories of this country when I was a kid, you know, and I used to come up here with my dad. And, and I want the boys to have the same memories. Actually, I would look around you, Roman, for God's sakes. This is, this is, this is beautiful country here. Take a good look. I'll tell you what I see when I look out there, if you want to know. Hey, yeah, I'm curious. I see the underdeveloped resources of northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I see a syndicated development consortium exploiting over a billion and a half dollars in forest products. I see a paper mill, and if the strategic metals are there, a mining operation. A green belt between the condos on the lake and a waste management facility, focusing on the newest rage in toxic waste, medical refuse. Infected bandages, body parts, IV tubing, contaminated glassware, entrails, syringes, fluid, blood, low-grade radioactive waste, all safely contained, sunken in the lake, and sealed for centuries. Now, I ask you, what do you see? I, I just see, uh, see trees. <laughs> so, let the trees be enough. See the trees. See the trees, because the Israelites didn't see the trees. They were just seeing what they didn't have, what could be just like Roman. And we all do this in our own lives. So see the trees. 
Let your trust and obedience in God guide you rather than things you, you don't have. Lean into the uncomfortable feelings and see the trees. Would you pray with me? God, may you continue to work in our hearts. May you help transform them to see the kingdom of God in our world here today. And may we be those bold, those bold Israelites to go out and trust in you in the wilderness, to seek out your kingdom first. Help us to see the ways in which we constantly think about not having enough, or we just want to be comfortable. Help us to jump out of those permanent places we sit in. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.